Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Zoe Chase. And I'm Robert Smith. Today is Friday, July 8th, and that was the debut single from Robin Rihanna Fenty, you heard at the top, better known as Rihanna. Today on the podcast, we'll tell you how much it costs to create a pop song like that one and how much it costs to make that into a hit song. But first, the Planet Money Indicator with Jacob Goldstein. Today's Planet Money Indicator is more than 25 million. More than 25 million Americans now fall into this category called broader unemployment. This is according to the very, very bad June jobs report that came out this morning. This group, this category, broader unemployment, it includes everybody who's looking for a job and can't find one. It includes everybody who is working part-time and who wants to be working full-time. And it includes people who want to work but haven't looked for a job in the past month. Broader unemployment, it's actually getting worse right now. Between May and June, the number of people in this group, it actually rose. I've been watching financial television all day long, and they've been competing for the best word to describe the jobs numbers. And my favorite one is dismal. It just sounds like what this is, dismal. The regular unemployment rate is now up to 9.2. Dismal. Yeah, this report, it's bad through and through. There is essentially no silver lining. It's way, way worse than economists were predicting. And, you know, if you go back, at the beginning of the year, we had several months of really, you know, solid, not spectacular, but, but respectable job growth. Then last month, the jobs report was bad. And, you know, it was like, well, maybe this is just one weird aberration. But now with this report, you have two bad months in a row and it feels grim. (sighs) Thank you, Jacob. Yeah. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks, guys. Okay, On to the podcast. It's the middle of July. And on the music charts right now, the competition for song of the summer is in full effect. What we're going to tell you about on this podcast is the secret battle that has been going on for most of the last year to create that song. It's the holy grail of the record industry. You know what I'm talking about. It's the song that's blasting out of every car with the windows down when the car is stopped. Like, remember 2007, it was this song. How could I forget Umbrella? This is one of my favorite songs of all time. I love it, too. And then, of course, two years ago, the song that everybody heard, that even my kids could sing, was this one, 2009. Mm-hmm. Black Eyed Peas. ground you down with that song. It was impossible not to like it by the end of the summer, 2009. I confess I do like it. But what was the one last summer? Last summer was probably this song. Katy Perry, California Girls. 
you know the song. Don't pretend like you don't know it because I you do. Listen, okay. I, I'm just picturing Planet Money listeners on the way to the beach. They put the top down in the car, cranking up their <laughs> economics podcast. That's that's exactly the point of the song of the summer. Okay, so the field of battle for the song of the summer is strewn with casualties. Songs that just didn't quite have the stifling ubiquity that means it's a hit, like the Black Eyed Peas. We're going to walk you through how much it costs to build one of these summer's contenders. And we're going to use Rihanna's latest single, Man Down. Man down. This song has Rihanna's name on it. And, of course, it has that little Caribbean lilt to it. But dozens of people and lots of money went into making it and hopefully making it a hit. Now, Zoe, you have been dissecting this song for weeks now. I've heard it playing out of your cubicle (laughs) over and over again Mm -hmm. through the day. And you're going to walk us through step by step how much it costs to make the song. And then our listeners can decide if it was worth it in the end. Okay. So let's start. It might not surprise you to know the making of the song doesn't actually begin with Rihanna herself. Shocker. Right. Rihanna gets a bad rap on that, but it's not like Frank Sinatra wrote Lady is a Tramp. You know what I mean? Like, this is not a new thing for pop music. Like, songs used to be manufactured in a building. It was called a hit factory, like the Motown building in Detroit and the Brill building in New York. And pop songs are still made in a factory, but it's a temporary factory. And these days you call it a writing camp. And at a writing camp, a record label hires the best producers and music writers in the country, flies them all into the same city, and drops them into the nicest recording studios in that city for like two weeks. And I talked to someone who was there when Man Down was written. It's like, you know, an all-star game. You get everybody in, you're going to have the best of the best, and we're going to make the best records. That's Ray Daniels. He's manager of a songwriting team called Rock City. Rock City was invited to the Rihanna writing camp in L.A. This was March of 2010. And that brings us to the first cost of a hit song, which is the cost of renting all those studios that make up a writing camp. Let's say if you got 10 rooms working. Every day, them rooms are costing anywhere between 2000 and 2500 per day per room. You got 10 rooms going, that's 25000 per day. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm going to actually keep the tally here so we know where we're at. Mm-hmm. $25,000, and that's... Not including, like, you know, the masseuse and the nice dinner they go out to, right? Mm-hmm. So $25,000 a day. And what are they doing this whole time? Okay. Let's take the room where Man Down was created. It's a recording studio. Two brothers, Timothy and Teron Thomas. They're the songwriters. They're the songwriters. And they are matched up with a producer, which is this guy, Sham Joseph. The songwriters brought an idea for the song to the writing camp. They were sort of thinking about it. They knew it was Rihanna. She's from Barbados. And they were thinking, let's do this female response to Bob Marley's I Shot the Sheriff, right? This is a good idea. And the producer, Sham Joseph, had come to the writing camp just with his laptop with a bunch of beats, a bunch of music on the laptop. No words. So there's no musicians involved at this point. No. No instruments, okay? Nobody would play instruments. No instruments. So... The songwriters and the producers in the studio. Sham opens up his laptop. He plays the track. No lyrics at this point. The songwriters are listening to the track. They'll go into the booth and they'll hum 
the record. They just say a melody. And they start to come up with this little melody, you know, the, the part over the top of the music that you'll actually sing along to. As they're standing there, they're listening to this, they're going, man down. Yeah, exactly. It happens very, very quickly. Just listen to, to the demo that was created. You can actually hear one of the writers singing the songs. And I took his heart when I pulled out that gun. Rum, ba, ba, bum, rum, ba, ba, bum, rum, ba, ba, already had the concept remember so when, when they put the lyrics down on paper and recorded it all happens pretty quickly they literally wrote man down in about 12 13 minutes <laughs> 12 <laughs> i love that like the the whole creative process of a song takes place in in the period of time it would take me to go get a cup of coffee at starbucks Yes, it's actually really hard to do that, to come up with these lyrics. So and the other thing is they're not just writing one song. They have to come up with dozens and dozens of these songs because at the end of the two weeks, Rihanna is going to come in, listen to all the demos and pick her favorites for the album. Her record label, Def Jam, foots the bill for this entire process. It had to cost at least 200 grand. I mean, it was at least 40 guys out there. Like I was shocked how much money they were spending. But guess what? They got the whole album out of that one camp. Okay, so they write the whole album in, in that couple of weeks. And I'm, and I'm just going to crunch the numbers here so we can keep track. The camp costs around $200,000, right? And there are 11 tracks on the new Rihanna album. Right. So that's 11 potential hit singles. She's great. And so you divide 200000 by 11 and you get, I don't know, around $18,000. So for our example of Man Down, we can say that the expense of writing this song cost $18,000. No, 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 no. That's just for the overhead, the rooms and the dinners. The songwriter and the producer each get a fee for their service after the song was picked. So it's 15000 to the writer and 20000 to the person who did the music. Okay, okay. Uh, 18, 15, 20. I'm, I'm adding this up, mm -hmm. and the total is $53,000 spent so far on Man Down. But at this point, like, there's, there's no actual Rihanna on it. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the money laid out before Rihanna even steps into the studio. And when Rihanna steps into the studio, she brings her vocal producer. And the vocal producer tells Rihanna how to sing the song. I need you to belt this out. I need you to scream this as if you're you're on one end of the block and you're trying to talk to somebody three blocks away. That's Rihanna's vocal producer, Makiba Riddick. And she didn't actually do Man Down, but she's coached Rihanna so many times through voicing chart-topping singles that I just called her up and asked her how much she costs. It can start anywhere between ten dollars to $15,000 mm -hmm. to go in and do a song. And it sounds expensive, but picture the working conditions, okay? Makiba Riddick explained to me, it's not just Rihanna in the booth and the vocal producer in the control room. In the studio, it's like a party is going on. There's 30 to 40 people there, you know, the artist's entourage, and people's phones are going off, and they're ordering in food. It's, it's like a mini music video or something. They'll have, you know, strobe lights, you know, they'll have incense burning, they'll have smoke machines, and they'll have doves. <laughs> have you really ever seen that? Yes, I have. Doves, like like the birds. <laughs> doves. <laughs> like like a Prince video or, or a John Woo film. Slow motion doves flying to help you sing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Doves actually help me track the podcast, so. 
you're demanding that way. <laughs> yeah, dubs. But the thing is, the job of the vocal producer is to get the song done. And the label president could and often will just show up at five in the morning like, where's Rihanna's vocals? You know, are you done? And Rihanna doesn't need dubs flying around the studio. Riddick says Rihanna's very focused. And she wouldn't tell me exactly what Rihanna needs to get in the mood. Okay, so for the tally, we will not count the bird wrangler. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to write down $15,000, and that's uh, for the vocal coaching to uh, focus you while the party rages around you. Right. Then the song gets mixed you know, the vocal and the music put together, then the song is mastered in an entirely different studio, and altogether that adds another 10K or 10K, so. 10K, got it. So it's a lot of money to make a superstar's record, but only superstars get that treatment. Mathematics time. We have the cost of the writing camp, the songwriter, the producer, the vocal coach, the room rental, whatever birds are involved, an engineer <laughs> mixing. Uh, my total here is $78,000 so far. And we have a finished song, right? Okay. You do have a song, but nobody's heard that song yet. So you don't have a hit song, right? $78,000 is pennies compared to what comes next to make it a hit. Here's manager Ray Daniels. A rollout of one record might cost a million dollars. Rihanna's here. Hey, Rihanna. The reason why it costs so much is because you need everybody to move at once. You want them to turn on the radio and hear Rihanna. Rihanna's live in studio 92.3 now. And turn on BT and see Rihanna. Your reactions to Rihanna's latest video, Man Down. Rihanna. When you look on Billboard, you look on the iTunes chart. Oh, my God. It's loudest number one on iTunes right what? now. I need to pay to make sure the record is on iTunes. When you log on to Apple Store, I want you to see Rihanna first. All of that costs. I need everything to click at once. That's what the money comes from. And he said a million dollars up there at the top. A million dollars. But, you know, before I add that to this tally, mm-hmm. I mean, that seems like a lot of money just to roll out a record. What does it take? What do they do with that? Okay. So to get the song into everybody's ears, you know, you need marketing. So you need billboards, commercials, banner ads on iTunes. You have to move the artists all around the country to different radio stations to do interviews and promote the record. And you're paying for radio play. Payola. Payola. Call it what you want. In order to have a hit song, it has to be on the radio. It costs money to get a song on blast on every radio station at the same time. I'm going to give you an example of how it works. How far the record labels will go to make a hit. This song is from 2001. That's Jennifer Lopez. And I mean, listen, that is a good song. I remember this song. It's a it's great got a song. Good hook. I remember hearing it on the radio. Right. Well, one of the reasons that you know that song, one of the reasons that you heard it on the radio is because the record label bribed DJs to play it. And we know this from court cases. And I saw that in order to get that song played on the radio in Buffalo, the record label paid the radio programmers $939. I saw this in the court documents. 
Well, that's very precise. Nine hundred thirty-nine dollars <laughs> gets you airplay in Buffalo, and and that's just that's just Buffalo. I mean, imagine what it costs to get J Lo in New York or on uh, you know an L A station or across the country. Mm-hmm. So I talked to somebody who was a programmer back then in the early 2000s, and his name is Paul Porter. And these days he runs a media watchdog group called Industry Ears. But he used to be a video programmer for BET. And he explains it like this. The labels didn't pay, you know, for one record. They would pay for a relationship with the station. The song request would come way later. You don't get bought on certain records. You get paid first and then people come back and ask you favors. So here's, for example, I go to New York for a weekend. I take the Accela up. I stay at the Soho Grand. It's a beautiful, luxurious, all-glass room. I get tickets to see the Knicks. I go over to somebody's house, pick up an envelope that has $5,000 in it. I have a great weekend. I go back, and I don't hear from the person for weeks. Then I hear about an R. Kelly video. It's a 10-minute video, and it was like a pop country song. It was not a BET thing. And my darling, you, you would be in the song, some people liked it, but it's 10 minutes of R. Kelly, and it sucked to me. But the guy had been so nice. I had a great weekend. He never, ever asked me anything. And he said, Paul, look, I just need to get this played a couple of times. That's all he asked for, not major rotation. It was 10 minutes, and I played it. Now, I know you have these stories of of this happening in the past. Everyone's very careful to say, oh, this is this is how it used to be. But is it happening today? I mean, if Man Down is going to get played on the radio, and we already said it could take a, a million dollars to do it, mm-hmm. is any of that money actually going toward payola? Well, this is where it gets complicated. It's fuzzy. Okay, Five years ago, everything changed in the relationship between the record companies and the radio stations. Because... Elliot Spitzer, before the scandal and before he was governor of New York, he was New York's attorney general, and he was a big anti-corruption guy. So in 2006, he launched this big investigation into payola practices, and he uncovered a lot. That's how I got the information about J-Lo. And he got all the major labels and all the major programmers to admit that bribes for song play had been rampant through the 90s and into the 2000s, and they all paid huge fines and set up new compliance standards. But you you just told me that the record labels still have these huge budgets for radio. If they're not using it for outright payola, for bribery, then what are they spending the money on? Well, it's a little unclear, (laughs) right? Paul Porter, the former programmer who played that R. Kelly song, claims that FedEx trucks are still showing up on Saturday mornings with envelopes full of $100 bills. But he didn't give me any evidence of outright payola that's happening right now. And Ray Daniels, you know, our industry insider that we spoke to in the beginning, I asked him about this, too, of course. And he says, since Spitzer, it's not so overt. He would characterize it more as a nice date versus prostitution. Radio, you're talking about treating the radio guys nice and telling them started off in a mix show. 
I need 75 spins a week. I No, I need... I need this station to play this record a hundred times a week. You want me to play your music? Treat me good. It's like if you want something from a girl. What you want? When you want to get a girl, when you want her to be yours, what you got to do? You got to treat her nice. Take on the restaurants that are expensive, buy her expensive gifts. You got to treat her nice. That don't mean you're paying for her. That means you're paying to show her that you're serious about her. I'm not going to call it payola, but I will say that. There's something I just do not understand about this mm-hmm. that seems so weird to me. Which is, why is this payola even illegal in the first place? Why is it unethical to pay some money to advertise your album, basically, by putting a song on the air? You know, I think Mm -hmm. about grocery stores, and cereal companies pay grocery stores a stocking fee so that they get good placement in the grocery store. I think about movies, where companies will pay the movie producers money in order to put their products in their product placement. All this seems perfectly normal, but when it comes to radio stations, all of a sudden everybody's like, oh no, it's illegal. You can't pay money to put a song on the radio. I mean, I, and that's a good point, but the argument is that radio is different. Elliot Spitzer, when he did his investigation, he said that pay for play is deception. So you know when a radio DJ says, we're playing the best music of the 80s, 90s, and today. Yeah, our number one song today is... Yeah, is that the best music? You know, if if those songs are just paid for, then that's kind of a lie. And Spitzer argued that it's fraud. Furthermore, the radio waves are officially public property. They are regulated by the FCC, and radio stations just rent the frequency. It's regulated by the government. Taking money to promote a song is not considered legally to be in the public interest. So if you do pay for a song to be on the radio, you're supposed to disclose it. Like say, this song by Lady Gaga was just aired because of money donated to my Acela ticket from Interscope. (laughs) Or, you know, something to that effect. I I still think it's ridiculous because, you know, these same radio stations play songs called jingles. They play the 1-800-M-A-1-800 mattress jingle. And they get paid for playing that song, but oh, no, no, you all of a sudden play Man Down, take a little money. That's all of a sudden wrong? That seems kind of arbitrary. Well, the other argument is actually whether payola even works, because a radio station is not going to put a lousy song into heavy rotation just because they're paid a lot of money to do it, because they'll lose all their listeners if they do that. Their listeners will change the station. And so radio stations are constantly testing this out, and they have market research groups testing Rihanna songs and seeing which ones have the potential to be big hits. Speaking of big hits, let's see if Rihanna made it. Uh, Mr. DJ? Just Jang, turn the music up. Turn the music up. Right, it is time to total up the bill for Rihanna's Man Down. Yes. Uh, we got the writing camp, the songwriters, the producers, and the mixers. That's 78000 And we add in the radio, however they get the money to mm-hmm. them, the tour, and the marketing. And the grand total to create and market Man Down by Rihanna is $1,078,000. Oh, and the video drop. Oh, yeah, you forgot the video. <laughs> we're not even talking about the fact that the video costs 100000 to 150000 we, this is money. Like we're talking about money, just to, and for something that might not work. All right, a million and a quarter with the video. Okay. And the final question, I guess, is what did they get for their investment? I mean, how's Man Down doing? Well, <laughs> are you nah. kidding me? Are you kidding me after all this work? <laughs> after all this whole podcast, I mean, we, 
basically, let me put it like this. I've been playing it more at Planet Money than it's been playing in the entire country this week. I mean, it hasn't sold that well. Radio play has been minimal. But, you know, that's how it goes with the song of the summer. Because when I started working on this story, which was three weeks ago, Man Down looked and it sounded like it had a real chance. You know, it was on Hot 97, that's New York's hip-hop station, practically every hour. But I got to tell you, when I sat down to write this story this week, it doesn't look so good for Man Down. There's more drops than there are ads on radio playlists across the country, and Hot 97 even has basically eliminated it. But you told me that Rihanna sold more than a million albums that the song is on the album. So can you say it's been successful in that even if the, the single didn't do well, it fueled sales of her album? I mean, 1.3 million albums, which is how much she sold, it's decent. It's platinum. But albums used to sell 1.3 million units in a week. That was before iPods. And I don't personally know if Def Jam turned a profit or not on the Rihanna album. But I do know that they're not making the kinds of profits off album sales that they used to, even when they do have hits. Because this Rihanna album had three smash singles, and it just barely made the platinum status. It's possible that the reason that they released Man Down as a single, which was the fifth single off the album, kind of scraping the barrel of the album, is because not enough people were buying the album to make the investment totally pay off. So as you were listening to Man Down over and over again, what actually became the song of the summer? You know what? I think it's Adele. The scars of your love, they leave me breathless. I can't help feeling we could have had it first. And with this song, the album was selling really well and radio took note of that rather than the other way around. And that song kind of came out of nowhere. We're curious what you think the song of the summer is? Man Down. It is not Man Down. But we want to know what you think at npr.org slash money. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Zoe Chase. And I'm Robert Smith. Thanks for listening. Yeah.